So have you ever have you ever chiseled yourself? Oh, no, I know you have a no, chiseled no. body, but have you a chiseled marble? No, 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 no. no. I'm I no. have zero aptitude or at anything in the visual art world, which is weird because my mother was an artist and my brother is an artist. Oh, I have no, wow. I didn't get that thing. I love it though. I love I love yeah. art. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there is a level of probably meditation and patience to it that would be good for anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Todd Harrington, and you're listening to the Gray Matters Podcast. Along with my co-host, Tony Hoyland, each episode explores a special guest's lifelong passion. There'll be a bit of nostalgia, but mostly it's our guest's personal story of how they discovered their passion and how it evolved over the years. Welcome to the Gray Matters Podcast. Our guest today is Elizabeth Turk, an artist known for her marble sculptures. Her work defies gravity and makes possible that which seems impossible. Inspired by the natural world, she references a myriad of elegant organic structures. And in 2018, she formed ET Projects, a California nonprofit, which is an experiment with the goal to launch immersive art events outside the traditional gallery structure using California as the collaborative laboratory and environmental backdrop. A MacArthur Fellow and a Smithsonian Artist Fellow and a recipient of many awards. Without further ado, please meet Elizabeth Turk. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Todd. <laughs> okay, now before we dive in, I would like to introduce my co-host and a work of art in his own right, a professional voiceover <laughs> musician, <laughs> Tony Hoyland. He loves me. He loves me. You know <laughs> Tony Hoyland. Tony, say hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? Hey, I was. Tony. <laughs> I was waiting for that intro. I knew I was going to pop it on you, and you were not going to be ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so I know you get interviewed a lot, I'm sure, about your work, but we're going to start a little differently, if that's okay. I want to really go back a bit, um, you know, why you started this passion. Were you this kid playing with a bunch of marbles and say, hey, mom, dad, I love marbles. I got to do something with it. I mean, what oh, what no. happened early on? And did? Uh, oh, no, not back to the childhood. <laughs> no, you don't think that far back. It's we're more about in. like... It's more about like, did you, God, can you know, it's like you saw Marble Steps, you became obsessed. I mean, what started and when did it start roughly? I don't need uh, exact dates. Yeah. yeah, like most artists, I think that you're, you're predisposed to making things, you know, making yeah. things and kind of uh, just being completely engrossed in, in um, your own world. And I think that has always been true in my life. Um, but as far as being an artist or seeing myself as an artist, that truly didn't happen until adulthood. Oh, it's okay. kind of like um, maybe I was too afraid, but to me, anybody who had a life as an artist just was masochistic. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, yeah. um, I mean, you know that from yeah. your your attempts at um, and your pursuit of being an actor and and following your creative dreams. There, it's so brutal. Why right. would anybody choose to put their heart out there? Um, that's true. Because you know, they so, have to, I guess. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's I kind think, of it. I mean, you, have to, you have a choice, really. It's something you knew you had to do. Tony, I think that's exactly it. I tried a bunch of different things, and I mm -hmm. failed. I failed. I even tried to get married, as Todd knows, and yeah. that failed miserably. <laughs> wow. So um, I, I think that in the end, there's it was, why not? This 
you, you kind of start off with, why not? Let me see if I can actually make a living at mm -hmm. it. And I'm still, I'm still sort of thinking, ah, is this really, is it still working? <laughs> is it still going forward? Well, clearly so. it looks like it is. I mean, it, what, what, go ahead, Tony. It must be, I mean, awesome to, to be, you know, doing it's clearly you're I've said this to other people you're doing what you were put on this planet to do you know which has got to be a satisfying feeling I would think absolutely anybody who <clears throat> um pursues a a passion just like what your podcast is about and um and has been able to consistently do it over the years um I think there's a huge sense of of freedom and um I don't know. For me, especially with the the stone carving and more the studio work, it just balances my mind. You know, mm. it helps me be be a better person out in the world because it it acts. There's a psychological um, oh relief, and it just aligns everything deep inside. And I come out of those focused uh, pursuits or those focused days just a better person. And but, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, did, but you, I mean, why marble? I mean, you're not a big human and you got these big jackhammers and cutting things. And I mean, that's a lot, right? To, oh, to stone. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's totally insane. I mean, who in their right mind would think banging <laughs> on a rock would actually... Very caveman, very caveman-esque of you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. When we're moving into the tech world... Uh, you're, going the go other, you're going the other direction. I, I want to reinvent wow. the wheel. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, who in their right mind would change, you know, make that decision? But I think for me, uh, one, the... I don't know if it's a very glorified reason but um i was always a metals person in graduate school and mm. maybe i was afraid of a of stone but there was something always beautiful about it i come from a mm -hmm. family of geologists and oh. my yeah my orientation towards rocks was really more the conversation with geologic time and the history of what a rock can tell you it, it was less about the canon of Western European artwork. And I, I think that's probably true because I came from the West. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't see marble statues until um, I was an adult, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, it was more, it probably was more about the anger, just anger and banging <laughs> on something. Bang. <laughs> yeah. Just banging, had a shitty cutting. day, I'm gonna just go bang on some rocks. There you exactly, go. there is something very satisfying about working in a physical, in a physical way. Yeah. And I think that's part of having a lot of projects out there all the time in the studio that, um, you know, you, you shape a, a piece, you shape your artwork based on not only your intellectual pursuit or conceptual pursuit, but also your emotions of the day. And sure. um, that's been incredible. But the more you get into it, the conversation is fantastic. So. Well, it's also, I mean, the, like to your point, the early stages of it, you're, you can bang away and there's kind of, there's a little more freedom and then it gets more and more specific as you get down to it. So you can always save those pieces in your studio where you really have to do some heavy banging just to get some anger out. And then you kind of move into the more finessing of the, of the projects that are farther along, because at some point it becomes 
very mathematical and angles and meticulous to to get it all right. Is that correct? Exactly. It's like cooking. You've got a lot of pots going at the same time. But it's also, I mean, for me, um, it's a reminder of just the physicality of our own lives. We are people, Mm -hmm. you know, with a physical dimension that have to interact in a physical way with the world. And so for my art, where I talk about, you know, what you said in your intro, that was so nice, Um, the paradox. I mean, for Mm -hmm. me, I like to push my stone sculpture to the edge right before it will break, basically, so that um, it almost takes on a a different materiality so Mm -hmm. that many, many people who see it or see it physically can't believe it's stone. So there's that aha that that border is always a conversation about the boundaries of being, whether it's inside or outside or, um, you know, the piece doesn't have any aha until you realize it's a single block of stone. And so then you're, you know, you go, oh my God, that's a Mobius strip, you know, (laughs) but it's, it doesn't have any interior. Um, So there's, there's something in that conversation when something becomes something else, um, right. which I think that we're, we're steeped in that in contemporary mm-hmm. life. I have, a, again, I'm not, I mean, I love art, but I have absolutely zero talent in, in art. In I, art world, but, he's right. But I have a question. <laughs> did, did you, um, did you, this may seem ridiculous, but in looking at some of your work, did you have to study some sort of structural engineering or something to, to, to figure this out? You know, so that um, it would... So it won't fall back on itself. Exactly. It won't implode. Or, or, um, yeah, at, and yeah. at what point, if you went a little bit farther, it, it might, you know, break, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've broken. There are a few pieces that are broken. Um, <laughs> you, only <laughs> see the, you only see the good stuff on yeah. the website. You don't be able to broken <laughs> But, you know, it's, the fact is, no, I didn't study art or study uh, stone sculpture in the classical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, came about it because it was more of a challenge. And so it, I kind of had this idea it's that if I move slowly, I had an idea that if I carved slowly and I used tools that were more like the contemporary CNC or computerized milling machines is more about mm-hmm. taking a small amount away, um, that they could hold up longer you know, that they could, mm-hmm. they would be more resilient, very much like meeting people, you know, like if you come in with big, heavy boots, telling everything, telling everybody exactly what you want and how it's going to be, you're not going to find yourself with, you know, many friends yeah. or family. And that's to me that, so how I attack a rock is very different. I don't, I don't hammer. I, I never hammer. I never send in negative vibrations. I just go about very slowly and persistently um, and trying to take it to its extreme. And I study uh, in my studio, I have, you know, natural forms. It's more about that conversation with nature where you see repeating structures that hold up under incredible weight, whether it's coral structures under the deep oceans or shell structures Mm -hmm. that are tumbling in the, the tides. Um, Fibonacci series, that mathematical um, structure. I'm in love with that. It's mm. amazing. So 
<laughs> Thanks for that question. Well, the, what's interesting, uh, mathematical, that word comes to me, which is your designs, but also talking about this, the, where, on a physical sense, where do your rocks come from? I mean, it's like, how do you get delivered a, a chunk of rock in your New York, studio, uh, New York studio? Is it just like someone just pulls up a truck and it gets lifted up to your, your window and dumped in? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I love that question. All my stone, though, has a story. I started this with the the first kind of the nature series that I started down in Washington when I lived down there because there was all this rock dumped um, left oh. over for the memorials. So most of my stone is quote found kind of repurposed oh, that's great. stone yeah. that was cut for another pur another purpose. I have a a script series that's kind of a <laughs> memorial to the idea of cursive writing. Um, that they were all the the bases for the sculptures at the Getty, and when they changed the the old Getty, they got rid of all the marble bases, and so that whole body of work is based in that. And when those when each body of work, when the marble ends from that whatever weird dumping or weird story, that body of work is over. So. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of fun. Each, but most of it has come from uh, Carrara or uh, Macedonia. I had a studio mate that was from Eastern Europe, and so we got some stone from there as well at one point. Well, I mean, along the way, I know you did it more as an adult. Like, did you ever have that moment? I think you kind of hinted to it. Tried other things, but you ever get like too busy and saying found it difficult to maintain it? Or once you once you locked and loaded and was excited about it, you you never looked back? I mean, did you struggle at any part with why am I doing this? I mean, you kind of hinted to that earlier. Um, you know, artists always have doubt. Mm. And I think that's a good thing. There's, uh, this is, there's always that question. This is crazy. What am I thinking that this is going to become beautiful, that it will be socially relevant, that it will um, kind of be what it is that I have inside of me. Somehow, when things get into real life, you often, you can only criticize. And, mm -hmm. and I think that there, there are always dark moments. But as far as having ideas that one wants to create, or I mean, it it's been like getting on a, a jet, like it's amazing. Like the year, the year that I decided to stop working and only make art, just the ideas and the desire to do, to do or to experiment has snowballed. I mean, wow. there's never been a moment that, that hasn't been filled or I, it's been an incredible, I'm so glad that I couldn't do it, that I didn't succeed yeah. in the other things. There you go. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I failure failure worked out, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah what, exactly. what, what was your, like, going way back, I mean, you do so much now, but I, I knew you, and, and when you you very obsessed with the wings, and what, it seemed that for a while you did mainly wings, and what what was that all about, and why did you stick with, start with that so much? 
You're doing a lot of wings, I felt, no? Yeah, the wings were, um, it's just because I was so slow. You know, carving is really slow. <laughs> you want to get faster getting some wings? There you go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, oh, you can have a lot of really yeah, big a hard, to fly, hard to fly with a marble wings, but go ahead. Yeah, so, that, but that so was what, part of the paradox of it. Like, that was the go. second of the nature's, natural, nature uh, memorials. Um, okay. I had a Brazilian friend who once told me, why does God give wings to those who can't fly? And mm. it seemed an incredible memorial to make at the end of the 1900s. And as you pointed out, I continued making my broken pile of wings mm. into 2000. Wow. But I wasn't intending to do that. It just took me so long. Broken um, wings, but they, a good song. Yeah. Yeah, but... <laughs> But they, but those wings, all that that material came from um, that stockpile that w that went in originally to make the the Lincoln Memorial and oh. um, the surrounding part of Iwo Jima. And so I thought, what better? Like all this broken marble to make this broken pile of wings to kind of represent us at the mm. end of the last century. So that was, oh, wow. That's that, so cool. there was the broken wings, there was water, there were sort of moments in nature that that were the end, kind of the beginning of um, the marble carving for me. And it seemed like those were the best memorial conversations. Um, so mm. anyway, so that's yeah. why. <laughs> you're always making that connection. You. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you always make those connections between art and nature and all your work is really lovely to, to, to see. How have you changed? What has changed about your work other than different projects? Have you, from when you're, what's different from when you're 20 to now? Do you look at the process differently? Is it easier or is it just as challenging or just, what, what is a 20-year-old Elizabeth Turk different than now or the way she approaches her passion? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, thanks. I think, I think uh, the twenty-year-old, a twenty-something person, had was more in love with the big concepts, and I think this person now is more engaged in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think what stone the conversation that geologic time had for me was really a conversation about what's not there. And the whole process of carving over all those years made me start to think about the, the context of negative space so much more. And, and thinking of that, not just spiritually or physically, but um, in a really deep kind of environmental way. How is it, you know, your passion helped you in other areas of your life? I mean, is it just kind of balanced you more or do you find you're just you're pretty much focused on your artwork but has it had a, a positive effect or, or, or negative effect on other areas of your life has it changed you in that way um i'm sure it's both you know i think for people that are trying to follow a passion um in whatever field i think there's incredible satisfaction right mm -hmm. because you can lose yourself in it and you can develop expertise more than if you hate, if you're just grinding away at something every day. So I think there's a feeling of um, 
uh, just exultation when you actually get something done mm -hmm. um, that and it feels so satisfying when you it's, it's like you guys were talking about earlier you know when you catch the perfect wave and you actually do it and it yeah, works so you yeah. get into the flow so there's just knowing that possible in life is I think makes you a better person to all that you mm -hmm. all those that are around you and um, and that you love because you I don't know you can be more hopeful right. I think um, right. at the same time in order to do it you uh, you know you become persistent and focused and terrible <laughs> like you're just yeah. like you've got to <laughs> avoid the distraction and sometimes um, that means the best things in life are a distraction and mm -hmm. you know you you don't walk down those paths and and that's not necessarily a good thing so like it's sort of a weird balance of the imbalance I yeah. think mm -hmm. um, I think for art and any and following any passion because there's just so much that goes into it you you lead a more asymmetrical life yeah. possibly i don't know that can, that can be debated but i think that's true i'm just curious elizabeth i'm just wondering do you ever step back step away and take like chunks of time off or are you pretty much always working and i ask because i've looked at your site which is incredible the work is like so beautiful but it there's so much. I mean, it's amazing. I don't. I don't know if you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm always working. This is her only hour. She's up me. right now. Yeah, she's only. I figured. I mean, really. It's, <laughs> I, I said to Todd, I, you know, I I loved it and it was uplifting and wonderful. But on the negative side, I was going like, okay, what? Well, so what have I been doing? <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> No, there's, there's, that's why I say that the, the awful side is that you're persistent and focused and you lose out on things. But I also have assistants now, you know, I run mm -hmm. a studio and I run a nonprofit. And so um, I'm, there, I'm more than just myself anymore. I mean, at the beginning it was 24-7, you know, seven days a week, but right. now I can I don't know. It's just there's not a boundary between who I am and who the art is, which uh -huh. has its own issues. <laughs> but, fall yeah. asleep, fall asleep on your rocks. You just by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but to be silly, the case. do you do you actually take breaks though? Literally, you know, like say a week and and just leave it all alone. I mean, I'm sure it'd still be on on your mind, but you know what I mean. Well, it's like this. You know, I'm up in Colorado now, um, and as I've aged, I knew that. I had to have other people start helping me sand and, and mm -hmm. do some of the the shaping of stone because physically um, I could just see it in my hands. I'm small. I'm not built to be that, um, uh, to be able to do it for 60 years. And so after what, about 25, 30 years, I knew that I had to make a choice to step back and be able to extend the life of shaping things longer, um, or, or whatever, deal with, mm -hmm. deal with what came. But, you know, I love drawing. I love, I love everything. I love making things. It, Your sketchbook is awesome too. I mean, that, that was really impressive. Oh, wow. You did your homework. Thank you. Well, I mean, you know, really that, this, it was easy. It's right, it's right here. It's like, you know, it's great. <laughs> 
Well, that was being able to do, um, to be able to step back and do sketchbooks and start to um, create some of the other ideas has been really incredible. And that's a part for me of, quote, stepping back. And that's why we Mm -hmm. started this nonprofit that's really more about shaping a platform for imagination. And so even though I'm drawing things on that, we're we're working with other people and it it keeps my my body a little bit safer from um, the actual physically um, I don't know the physical endurance of carving um, mm-hmm. and even tight drawings like that so sure easier it to lift conceptual. a sure easier to lift a lift a sketchbook than, than a piece of rock, so. <laughs> yes. um, and carry it with you right yeah how cool is that keep it simple um by, well, you, by you, the way you, that picture of you with the mask in the studio is insane it's fantastic <laughs> That's my life. Like, what person chooses that, right? That's especially after school and graduate. Why do you choose that? That So I guess that makes three of us that are crazy right now here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, By the way, did you... Oh, sorry, Todd, I'm jumping in. No, 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 Well, last one for for now anyway. I saw, I read that you were in, uh, you majored in international relations. Were you hoping to be a diplomat or something at one point? Yeah. Yeah, I went to D.C. It, that's what got me on the East Coast. I went to D.C. Mm. and um, and worked there for a few years. And um, yeah, but I'm not as good a team player as I hoped mm. I would be, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> she likes solo sports games. I'm not a team player. Um, I guess so. I guess well, that so. kind of leads me to a question that because I was going to ask if you took a moment and say, how would your life have been different if you never did this? So you, I mean, if you did it, were the diplomat you, or you couldn't even imagine, would you ever take a moment to think, wow, I could have gone that route, but it's what, pretty what clear. What other roads? Yeah. I sort of feel, you know, my family, I have the opposite artistic. My family always wanted me to be an artist. They kept pushing oh. me to take more art classes. Why aren't you wow. trying? Blah, blah. I thought they were nuts. They're like, no way. I'm not going to major in art. Like, and, um, and so I'm totally the, the wrong story for that, um, th- that poor victimized person because their upbringing kept them from their passion. I, it was all internal that kept me from That's my great. passion, you know, because I looked around. I mean, I grew up in Southern California in the West. Why the only artists I knew were so busy smoking dope and not performing. I mean, I don't know. They weren't doing anything no. really. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't a future. It wasn't until I saw maybe what I saw around me when we moved to New Mexico as a kid, and I saw that some of the most beautiful art forms um, ever, and suddenly I saw a, a larger sort of cultural value and cultural conversation than I had realized younger, um, mm. and then it just kind of started building from that. But yeah, look at, I mean, look around that environment. It's all mm-hmm. about rocks and nature, and, mm. and you're so small in it. I think that's why I always go to that touch, you know, touch zone. Mm-hmm. So to speak. Well, you, you've hinted to your the ET projects, which started in 2018, about and how it's kind of given you a, a escape, if you will, uh, from your other art. So, 
what, how did that come about? I mean, I look at some of them from, they're just amazing. Tipping Point, uh, Look Up, um, I'm basing on the other one, the Shoreline Project. Um, is this something that you kind of balance your time between the marble? Because it's very much about engaging nature and, and, and uh, interactive, immersing other participants, if you will. And, I, and, and before you answer that, like, how do these, those kind of projects, I mean, I get it with the mar marble sculptures, you can kind of sketch it out, but how does this, an event like that evolve? Is it a long, methodical project in your sketchbook, or you just have this vision, and then you begin to you know, produce and kind of figure out a way to execute it? I mean, the, the tipping point in Catalina Island is just spectacular. And, and we were talking about it just before you got on the phone, the umbrellas with um, Look Up. They're just beautiful. But that's a big vision. It's so much different than what you're doing with, with rocks, if you will. I think it's all of the above. And I'm still learning. That's what I love about art. Like, it's, it's never boring. Your mind is always at its most full. And mm -hmm. I think originally I thought, I thought in terms of stone. So I thought of how do you activate a, a Zen garden? You know, right. if all the, the pieces aren't static, how do you best activate a platform? And, you know, growing up or always going back to the beach, um, when I was asked to get involved with the art and nature program at Laguna Art Museum, it it seemed, well, of course, use the beach. What's the, that's the platform. Sure. And then I think that I've been really, like all of us, we've been hit so hard by the, the strife. Everything is anger and strife and confrontation. And I wanted to create an, a platform where people would bump into one another and have a, mutual and shared experience before they realized that they were bumping into the guy down the street that they now hate. Um, and I was really conscious in, in Shoreline, that was our first piece, that we create a platform where imagination kind of takes you away in an exuberant kind of physical experience before you have your intellect. Um, kind of come in and tell you why it is that you can't imagine something, right. you know, like it, yeah. there's so much of contemporary art that I was finding the approach was, was purely um, in mental, intellectual. I mean, at the museum, you're kept from touching something. And I wanted to create this immersive experience where um, people could find what I've found in art. And that is, you know, imagination can solve so much mm. just negative, um, awful stuff. And I think that when we started Shoreline, it started to take a life of its own. And the objective to get a thousand people, I mean, seems so overwhelming. And we started with 300, which then went to 500. And then like anything, if you put 500 people on the beach, you're not taking up very much space. The beach right. just sucked them all up and so yeah. they thought okay we've got to get a thousand and then a thousand became our number and it was just so beautiful it became a that field that zen field became a psychological field and we started to figure out ways that we could activate people's movement and we wondered how long it would take for people to be 
mimicking one another, following one another with very few instructions. And then like the Zen garden, we film from above so that people would see themselves as a single organism, you know, mm. and that I love some of those videos on Shoreline Project website yeah. where their whole boundary is shaped by the, the ocean coming in when they start moving up onto the sand or they start making their own shapes. It's really extraordinary. So we took that concept and with the challenge of COVID, we reinvented it in a yeah. retirement home <laughs> last fall. How crazy incredible. is that, right? Incredible. Uh, and we made it during the day. And because everybody had this social distance and we had corresponding masks, we made it about color and we took all their images and put them together in um, kaleidoscopic forms. Yeah. We edited it that way so that they could see each other bumping into one another, um, even if it was just on the on the video. We wanted them to still have that that feel, even though yeah. when they were walking around and, and in the different environments, um, they were doing it together, but they were six feet apart. So yeah. well, anyway, that that... feeling. No, no, the kaleidoscope yeah. feeling with was you could just felt that flashback for the elderly there. And when they saw it, they probably loved it. I mean, I also love one of the participants said the great line I saw on the website, in play, we can see each other again. And uh, wow. really was uh, that thought. And I think along what you said, I mean, uh, with all the negativity out there, you everything you do has a positive vibe. I mean, uh, I, thought, I think I saw one quote, quote, joy can be the be an act of defiance and hope. And I feel... You have risen above this in, in doing these projects. And I think it's, it's so, you just felt the joy coming off when you're watching the videos of all of them, Catalina Island, uh, Look Up, as well as Shoreline. It's just, just amazing. Um, the, the, I love that. Thank you for saying that quote, that, that joy. Um, that, that's what we felt because I looked at these, these participants of Look Up, they were so courageous. You know, the, yeah. the age group was 65 to 100. And they were <laughs> out there, you know, with their mask, doing something that was not comfortable. And, yeah. and they created such an amazing um, event themselves, just a physical event that day. But also the imagery. My sister used to always say that you're trying to make the impossible possible right, in right. some ways i think that the um immersive art is about the same thing you know just trying to to remind us that we can be more yeah when you look at what you've been doing and and, and you look at the uh, et projects and and your marble your sculpture work you know why do you still do it obviously i think i know the answer to that but you know you know, what's it all about and what is your plans for the future in terms of doing more of the events, sculpture, balance, and what is the plans for ET projects and Elizabeth Turk as, as an artist with her rocks, if you will, for the future? I think, why do I still do it? I think I do it because there's a sense of freedom. Mm. Um, it's just been, it brings so many different people into your life. I mean, it brought it brought me back to you in a way, you, you know, which is cool. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> because um, you know, it's not art isn't a linear narrative, and that's what yeah. I love about it. Ex 
it just expands in ways that um, you, that are unexpected and mm. how what a better way to le- lead life it it brings you into it brings you into events it brings um, unknown people to you I mean it's just it's just tremendous I can't imagine um, the the vicissitudes that anything else could bring than also, a I mean, creative different- life the people you must have met that this has allowed you to meet the most interesting people. Like if you ever go went the diplomat route, it's, I mean, they're interesting people, but just the variety of people I find with the art world is so unique and so expansive that you've allowed you, Elizabeth, to, to be all over the world and, and meet all these unique people, which obviously inspires you for another project, most likely. It's incredible. I mean, from doing the su- those sewer covers in, in New York, or I guess they're on Staten Island, I mean, what a, an array! I never thought that I would be meeting the people who design the sewers in New York City. But that was fascinating. That I, mean, cool. what is I didn't get stuff? to see any of that stuff. Where can we find that? Is that on the website? The sewers um, I, I think it's on one website. Okay. It's um, it's on the New York City infrastructure website or something but anyway i think following a passion it's taught me to be very comfortable with the unexpected finding comfort in the uncomfortable because it's it's always changing and and that's a good thing Mm -hmm. so (laughs) it makes you stronger in that way Going back quickly before we wrap up is I really like the fact that you look at, you don't, the traditional gallery, you've done things, you're taking it out of the gallery. There's such a, you know, vision for, oh, yeah, you got to go to this art, this gallery and this museum, but you've taken so much of it outside of the gallery. And that's really what's impressive to me. I love that you've found that balance because I think the opportunity outside of the gallery is almost more freeing in many ways. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I was trying to create art experiences without walls. Yeah. You know, I guess in some ways the going back to the strife and the and the conflict that's all around us, like it scares me. And I I felt that as a creative person that I wasn't having enough impact within the traditional walls of art making. And and so I wanted to create something that would engage people who were not used to, ha- you know, living life with imagination or, yeah. or creative experiences, or somehow felt outside that world, and I wanted to find a way to make them feel comfortable and participants and able to create just unbelievably beautiful things, you know, bigger than all of us could be. So it was a real mission um, a few years ago. And now it's the mission is just to stay afloat and keep it going. (laughs) See see your your team player after all. Look at this. enjoy this episode of the Great Matters Podcast, please rate and review and be sure to tell your friends too. For more information about this podcast, go to thegraymatters.org and please subscribe to The Great Matters wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'd like to thank my guest, Elizabeth Turk, my co-host, Tony Hoyland, and a special thanks to you, the listener. I'm Todd Harrington. Until next time. Thank you.